Well, welcome to episode five of The Urbanist Live, the podcast produced by the Urban Development Institute of Australia in WA. I'm your host, Tanya Steinbeck, CEO of UDIA WA. And in this episode, I am talking to Mervac General Manager, Residential WA, Paige Walker. And we'll be discussing a few different topics today, from innovation and fostering a culture of innovation in your workplace, to leadership, and finally, the current market and what we might expect moving forward. So thanks for joining me today, Paige. Thanks, Tanya. Thanks for having me. So the latest edition of The Urbanist, UDIWA's quarterly magazine, featured an article with yourself uh, taking pride of place on the front cover, which was fantastic. The focus of that edition is on innovation, and you spoke about the importance of fostering a culture of innovation at Mervac. Why is fostering innovation an important core value of your organisation at Mervac? I think like innovation for Mervac is a key driver and enabler for our purpose, and our purpose is to reimagine urban life. And I think innovation is important within our organisation and also in the development industry more widely, as you know, not only does it drive economic growth and improve the quality of life, but it's also really necessary to make sure that we're remaining relevant and meeting the needs and pain points of our customers and our communities, you know, that we're developing. And each development that we do are, so, are really different, and so they all need their own unique approach, and innovation is really at the heart of that. And then within Mervac, we have our own national in-house innovation team called Hatch, and it's supported by funding and resources within the company. Their mission is really to embed an innovative culture across our business and encourage diversity of thought and new perspectives. And they sort of do that by putting the customers at the heart of the innovation process. And they conduct hours of interviews in-house to learn all about our customers' needs and how we can address their pain points and, in the end, how we can make sure that, you know, we're creating quality developments and a better future for our residents, all our residents, sorry, in our projects. And our Hatch team teach all the personnel within our organisation about the process so they can embed it in our projects. And to date, I think our Hatch team have trained over 25% of our workforce and you can really see the innovation is being embedded in all the projects and it's really becoming just part of our everyday culture. So it's absolutely essential for us to make sure innovation is you know, a key driver in our culture to make sure that we can achieve our purpose of you know, reimagining urban life. Fantastic. And you spoke about putting customers at the centre, which I think is brilliant. What are some of the projects here in WA where you think innovation has really come to the fore? Yeah, I think it's quite interesting So I was thinking about this question a fair bit and, you know, we've been in such a difficult market over the last sort of three to five years and I think that has actually driven a fair bit of innovation across the property industry generally because it is so competitive in the market we're in and so everybody's got to make sure that we're at the forefront and we're providing something different or meeting a different need of our purchases compared to what you know a competitor can. So I actually think there's been some really good innovative ideas that have come out within the Perth market over the last, you know, particularly over the last sort of three years. And for us, two innovative projects that we've been working on, which I think are fantastic, is the Rent to Buy initiative at our Claremont project around the Claremont Football Oval. And it's really the first of its kind in the state. And really for us, the pain point that we identified in customers is particularly the first home buyers, their ability to actually be able to afford and to buy a home and be able to save enough in a deposit whilst they're also renting. So the key focus for us was how do we make home ownership more attainable? 
And basically what Rent-to-Buy does is it allows potential buyers to live in an apartment for up to two years and they pay us rent during that two-year period and then we put that into an account. And at the end of the two years, all those rental payments, the full 100% of all the money that they paid in rent, we then put towards a deposit at the end of it and that makes them eligible and able to actually apply for a loan and buy the apartment at the end of it. That was a really great initiative that our team came up in in-house through the Hatch process. We also have come up through the Hatch process in-house as well, the affordability experiment which we're doing at Aluma and Bennett Springs. That was an idea that was generated within our team here at Murbach. And then we found partners with Terrace Homes, Synergy and Keystart to actually sort of take it to the next level. And again, it's the first of its kind by a major developer in WA. And the experiment, you know, aims to address the challenges of affordable housing, both in terms of affordable to buy and affordable to live in. And one lucky family will be given the opportunity to take part in the experiment. And we've actually picked the family. They were picked almost 12 months ago now. And they will move in next month into an affordable and sustainable terrace home for a year. And then during that year, their utility consumption, their spending and saving patterns, as well as their lifestyle impacts, um, will be monitored. And then we also added on the rent to buy side of it that we learned at Claremont into this process as well. So during that 12 month that they're living in the home, they will pay rent as they would normally do if they were renting somewhere else. We will put all those funds to help contribute to their deposit. So again, they can also afford to buy the home. So yeah, both they're two great initiatives that have come up and you know, I think are um, outstanding you know, innovative ideas in WA. Yeah, look, I, I think both of them are brilliant and, you know, very familiar with, with both projects. And, you know, it's fantastic that KSTAR, you know, as a government-backed entity has, has come to the party with that as well. What do, what do you think that government could do to foster greater innovation in our industry? I think the role for government is really to help provide you know, parameters and support and to create the right environment for innovation to sort of take place. So I think, you know, making it easier to create startups and offering innovation grants for new ideas is a great one. Providing tax incentives or R&D grants, you know, making sure they share public research as well so that businesses can understand, you know, what's in that data. And we can hopefully respond to insights that will, will help harness innovation opportunities. I think that's a really important one as well. Also removing red tape to enable testing of ideas with the general public early so that, you know, a product or service, it's easier to test it and you can make changes before you implement it. But I also think it's really up to the industry to make sure that, you know, we're also sharing with government customer insights. You know, we're trying to partner with government to solve problems together because all we really want to do is, you know, work collaboratively with government and come up with these new and innovative ways of doing things differently and better. But I suppose, you know, at the end of the day, I think it's up to both industry and government, making sure that we listen to the community. And at the end of the day, we're meeting their needs and that's what's going to drive the best innovation. Yeah, completely agree. I think, you know, the collaboration between the public sector and private sector is uh, enormously important. And what, from an industry perspective, I mean, obviously you've given us some great examples there of what Mervac's done in terms of innovation. What do you think industry could do to drive further innovation and new ideas in this space? I mean, there's certainly innovation happening in WA, and I just spoke of, you know, about it before in terms of what's been happening over the last you know, two or three years. And I definitely think that we'll continue to see more of it as it's really going to be the difference between businesses prospering in this current environment or simply surviving in the future. But I think in terms of industry, you know, what they can do better, um, I think organisations within the industry need to make sure that they're creating a space 
where it's safe for their staff and employees to make to feel comfortable that they'll fail and that they'll learn through that process. This is really key to encouraging a culture of innovation. You know, when we go through the actual process ourselves, there's you know hundreds of different ideas that we need to be explored, and many of them fail and are not great. But you need to go through a number of those ideas before you land on that great one idea. So making sure that employees feel that it's safe that they fail is really important in terms of learning through that process. I also think innovation needs to be something that's an important part of the company. It's not just a tick of the box exercise. If it is and it's not really part of the underlying culture, it just yeah, it won't be embedded in all the projects. Also, I think the final thing as well is that each idea that you know you come up with really needs to solve a customer pain point or problem and help to deliver the best solution for them. Because you can come up with all these innovative ideas, but really, if it's not meeting the needs or pain points of the customer, they're not going to want it. So, you know, forward-looking companies like Mervac, we're really harnessing like the latest technology to future-proof the places we live in. You know, we're creating leading-edge environments that really support the lives and livelihoods for years to come. And a couple of examples of, you know, some of the innovative ideas that we're doing is we've done Cultivate, which is an urban farming experience, a solar partnership with Illume and you know, the third space, which is a unique co-working environment being offered in our shopping centres. I spoke about the build to rent and the affordable living experiment. All those ideas are things that you know are looking to support lives and improve the livelihoods of people for the years to come. Yeah, and like you say, I think I think we need to concentrate on bringing the focus back to what problem are we trying to solve for the customer. And talking before about sharing data between the private sector and the public sector around those sorts of needs of our customers is really important to be able to feed into that. Changing up a, a, the topic a little yeah. bit now, um, so UDIA are, are about to launch a new diversity policy and toolkit in October, which is designed to help organisations progress diversity and inclusivity within their organisations and really a, a focus on a lot of the smaller organisations that don't necessarily have, you know, a, a significant HR resource to help them um, roll these sorts of things out. Being a leader in the urban development industry and a trailblazer as a a female working in a senior leadership role. Can you share with us a little bit about your journey so far? Yeah, sure. It's really interesting because I started, my undergraduate was in marketing and I did that here at Curtin. But then I moved to Melbourne in marketing and I was in a role for about two years and I then moved to Mervac in Melbourne. So I've been there for about 15 years now. And I was very fortunate that I moved from the marketing team into our development team. And I've always loved property. I've always loved design, architecture, construction. It's always really interested me. Fortunately, I was supported by Mervat to do my undergraduate at RMIT in Melbourne, and I majored in property and construction and absolutely loved it. And I've loved being in the industry ever since. And I think I've been very fortunate at Mervac, one, because they do have a very diverse and inclusive culture and very strong about supporting women and making sure that they're given the opportunities within the organisation. I think for me, you know, I was very fortunate that I had an advocate within the organisation for me and helping to promote me within the organisation, which, you know, there was many jobs that I have been given that I probably wouldn't have actually applied for because I probably didn't think that I ticked enough boxes. But, you know, I was fortunate that I had some senior males within the organisation and senior females that, you know, really pushed me out of my comfort zone to take on those opportunities. 
And yeah, I've been very fortunate that Mervac moved me back here when I had just before the birth of my first child and, you know, have given me the opportunities to try these different roles. And I've been doing the general manager role for about four years now. But yeah, I absolutely love working for Mervac. And, you know, at Mervac, we're really proud of our workplace environment and culture as it, you know, it celebrates diversity and inclusion. And last year, we were ranked by, I think it's Equileap, um, as number two in the world and number one in the Asia Pacific for our gender balance achievements. And that was out of 3,000 global corporations. So that is huge. I think the team um, at Mervac have really worked incredibly hard to achieve this recognition. It's really been driven, I think, from our board and from our MD, Sue Lloyd Hurwitz, which has really made the change through the culture. So, you know, I feel really proud to be part of a company that is, you know, so diverse and inclusive. Yeah, that's absolutely brilliant and certainly an organisation that's leading the way in terms of gender diversity for the rest of the industry. And yeah, fan fantastic to hear um, that you started off in marketing as I did yeah. and uh, <laughs> have to get a, give a shout out to all the marketers. That's right. <laughs> Because um, I think that's a fantastic starting point for any yep. career. So we're going to just uh, um, come towards the end of our chat, shifting from marketing to the market yep. and the current market. So the state government's building stimulus measures have had a massive impact on the land market in WA. And of course, we've got the stamp duty rebate scheme in place for apartments and high density development. What are your thoughts on how, and, and we've, we've spent a lot of time in this podcast talking about particularly the land market, we know some of the challenges yep. there, but what are your thoughts about the apartment market in particular and how that's coping at the moment, the impact of the stamp duty rebate scheme and what more could be done to help facilitate more activity in, in that part of the residential sector? Yeah, I think, I mean, the stimulus for the stamp duty, the stamp duty stimulus has been a great incentive by the government and, you know, definitely to, you know, help kickstart projects and start construction and also those under construction to improve sales. So it was a great initiative, I think it was in June, to extend that stamp duty stimulus to even projects that are under construction up until PC. And we found that for our Compass at Latitude Lake and Beach project, we've really benefited from that expansion of stamp duty concession. Our project is now over 70% sold and we're completion next month. So, you know, for us, we are in a lot better position than we had anticipated. And a lot of that is driven by the, the state government's stimulus. For projects that are being sold off the plan under construction, it's fantastic. I think, and they're the ones who are really benefiting from the stimulus, but it's difficult for those completed apartments, you know, and there's still a significant amount of a completed stock in the market. They're also now having to compete against projects with the stamp duty savings, so it makes it even more difficult. In order for a lot of the new projects to get off the ground, there's only so much capital and companies need to sell out of where they're, you know, the projects that are holding a significant amount of their capital. And once they can sell out of that, they can start reinvesting it actually into new projects. So it's really important that we can start trying to get that supply of completed apartment stock down. For me, one of the biggest ones is around reducing the FERB tax, and I think that could really help support the apartment market. I mean, it's fantastic that we've got extremely low vacancies. I think we're sitting around 1.5%, and that's great for investors, but there's not a lot of confidence in local investors at the moment. And, you know, we know that there's a lot of money overseas and we provide, you know, a great opportunity here in WA and Australia for a very stable economy and stable investment. And if we can make it more enticing and inviting for those foreign purchasers to invest in WA, particularly if we just do it around the completed stock, 
that could be really helpful to start soaking up some of the completed stock and yeah, reduce that excess supply. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And I think there's there's such an opportunity, particularly in the in the way that we've successfully managed the impact of COVID and to really position Perth and WA more broadly as a safe haven for investment. And, you know, we've seen some fantastic announcements by the government over the recent weeks and and earlier this week with the, the Perth City deal and the and the impact that that's going to have on Perth CBD and more broadly. Well, what are your thoughts on, on how the city deal might impact the CBD market in particular? I just think it's it's fantastic. It's going to create further activation of people in the CBD. It's going to help support businesses, hopefully encourage more people to live in the CBD, certainly going to be stimulating job growth. The city deal is fantastic result. I think the government have done a really, really great job of that and it'll be great for the CBD. I think we just need to make sure that we're not solely focusing on the one city deal and that we're going to try and do more to activate the CBD and other ways to create investment in the CBD and reasons for people to want to come and work in here and live in here and entertain and play in here. So yeah, I think it's a fantastic initiative. I just want to make sure that we keep focused on constantly trying to activate the CBD. Yeah, yeah, completely agree. So we're coming to the end of our chat and we always like to finish these podcasts by asking our guests for one message in a bottle for listeners that can take away with them as they continue the rest of the day. So what would your message in a bottle be? Even as the world continues to change, I think there's always still opportunity, even when everything is completely turned on its head. And I think at the moment in WA, we have an opportunity to create something we're all really proud of. And, you know, just following from everything we've just spoken about, I think the key to creating places that people are going to love is only going to occur through innovation and responding to each project's unique context and site and location and understanding what people want. And I think people around the world are really starting to see WA as a really special place. So, yeah, I'm really excited to see what the future holds for us because of that. Yeah, I completely agree. Never waste a good crisis, as a lot of people say. Absolutely. (laughs) That's right. Thank you so much for your time today, Paige. It's been absolutely brilliant. I know that everyone listening is going to get a lot of value out of a lot of what we've spoken about today. So just in closing, this podcast has been produced to complement UDIA's quarterly magazine, The Urbanist, which explores a variety of thought leadership topics, providing new insights to assist you and your business. Our magazine is made available to members and anybody who wishes to subscribe head to our website, udiawa.com.au for more information and we'll see you next time.